Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last night. We had a fantastic show last night. Everything you could want in a show. Perfect flow. Great rhythm. Excellent dialogue. Fantastic guests. So much stuff. So many things established and addressed, and uh, we covered a lot last night, so many different topics, that's for sure, and the way we resonate, like I've said many times, with one another, it's, uh, it's a phenomenal thing, the show uh, really has unbelievable flow, uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors, you are all incredible, uh, the show is now listened to in 25 different countries, on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Also remember, next month I will be releasing the brand-new 24-7 network with my business partners. We've raised a lot of money. Like I said, many notable names will be doing their own shows. Uh, America's Toughest Sheriff, my good friend Joe Arpaio, as well as my good friend, director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. So big, big stuff planned. Um, Like I said, the timing is unbelievably perfect. We're right in political season with so much stuff happening every single day. And um, I'll tell you, it's it's been a long time coming. We've, We've been working on this for a while, so I can't wait. Um, I hope everybody is having a great day wherever you are. I hope it's going accordingly. I, um, I can't thank you all enough for the support. You know, it's funny. I just picked up the mic one day and here I am. Here I am. It, uh, it comes as a, a natural talent and, and a routine. You know, it, it comes as something that uh, is, is now just like, like I said, it's a routine. It's, it's part, of my, part of my everyday life. You know, it's, it's like a habit, and I'm just, yeah, it just comes so naturally. It's, it's, a pretty, uh, it's a pretty impressive talent to have. You know, I am fortunate. I, I do like the way um, the show sounds, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, if you ever asked me if I ever thought I would be in this position and, you know, the, the show would be this popular and we'd be in 25 different countries, just, I mean, I, I – haven't even been doing this a full two years yet. So in less than two years, we've, we've achieved so much. It's quite fascinating and, and incredible. It really is. It's beautiful. Beautiful to watch, though. And uh, it's perfect because I have such a love and passion uh, for Donald Trump and for politics. You know, he, uh, he definitely made so many people you know, get into it. You know, I, I wasn't as into it or fascinated with it, you know, until he, until he came around. And then I was just obsessed with it. But before it was just like, it was like, eh, whatever. But I tell you, these last, you know, four years since he announced his run in 2015, I have not been able to turn off any news channels. And it really is. I mean, it's a really a big part of my life. It's fun stuff, though. Um, I do want to welcome to the show uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, 
veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and currently the commissioner of parks and or commissioner of parks and recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Rory. I, I hope that you're doing well too. You got a lot to be proud of. This great show. You've had some great guests and. You know, today something exciting happened. The court ruled that I could take many horses on an airplane. So I'm looking forward to riding my horses through the uh, the TSA. And, uh, you know, that I don't have to now get one of those bag things to push my bag's luggage anymore. Just ride them on in, man. Got to love it. Jesus, man. Jesus. I mean, the, 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 times we are li- the times we are living in this world, man. Uh, you know, I know you're being sarcastic. Can you imagine boarding Spirit <laughs> Airline, boarding Spirit Airline, sitting there next to somebody that's got a horse in? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're talking about these. You're talking about this whole the silliness and the gibberish with this these support animals right now. They're trying to make it more oh, than yes, just dogs. Yes. They're trying to make it all these different, you know, types of animals. Sure. Sure. You know, and and. Uh, you know, I, I just I just wonder where this is going. You know, you you now can bring your support mini horse uh, onto your airline to give you comfort. <laughs> Incredible. It's, you know what? Things are getting really out of hand. Um, you know, it's nothing surprises me anymore. It really doesn't. Well, you, on a on a three hour flight, can you imagine what that that would smell like in 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 coach? I mean, come on, you you go to a business meeting afterwards and you smell like you just came out of the stalls. It's incredible. Right. No, it's so, so true. No, you're absolutely right. Um, great to have you here, though, my friend. Uh, I also do absolutely. want to welcome uh, founder of Republicans United, founder of College Republicans United. And currently the leader of Nationalist United, Kevin Dukeiper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing very well, Rory. And uh, I hope you and the audience are doing very well, too. And I totally agree. By every measure, this show is getting better and better. And the audience hasn't seen anything yet compared to what's to come. So I couldn't be more excited. And I agree with you again that uh, Donald Trump has been the wake-up call and energizer of entire generation. So uh, we couldn't have uh, you know been here without him. And uh, so, so much exciting uh things to come absolutely man absolutely great to have you here uh, also would like to welcome to the program uh activist political strategist and congressional candidate for new york's 22nd district franklin sager franklin how are you i'm outstanding rory i'm sure you're doing well and congratulations on the success of your network that you're launching and all the success you've had and I'm actually, uh, this is the first time I've talked to you that I'm in your neck of the woods. So I'm actually in uh, in Palm Springs, California for a few days with my wife, taking a little bit of a break from the campaign for a little uh, vacation in the summer, and uh, just excited to be talking with you once again tonight. Absolutely, my friend. And yeah, Palm Springs, beautiful place. I was just there in, uh, I was there in April, actually. I was there, you know, a few months back, but uh, I love it there. Great place to vacation. And uh, Franklin Sager. Uh, great to have you with us. It's been a while, so uh, definitely a lot to get into. Thank you. Uh, I also believe right now I have Mark from Ohio. Mark, are you with us? How you doing, Rory? <clears throat> Good, Hope your man. audience great. and you guys are doing fine tonight. 
Absolutely. Great to have you here. Big show tonight. We've got a lot to discuss. Glad to be back. Absolutely, my friend. All righty, everybody. Um, we obviously, there, there, is, there is so much to get into right now. I want to start with, you know, the, me, the media and, and the way they, they coddle these Democratic candidates, these, these 2020 individuals. You know, we're we're seeing, we're just seeing everything. You know, in a lot of ways, blow up in the media's face. I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming back to bite them. There's a lot of things they've been called out for. You know, they they try they try to make it look they try to make it as good looking for the Democrats as possible. It's such a double standard. In every way, shape, and in every single way, and I'm wondering, I'm really wondering when, when it when it ends, when it ends, when we actually get a truthful media. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but I'm wondering if and when it ever will. I don't. I. I. I you know. I. I have. I have a lot of doubts with with that ever happening. I, you know, I, I think it's – but I think there needs to be some sort of accountability. I think there needs to be something put into place that pretty much makes makes these outlets tell the truth. You know, it, it, it's, it's fictional stories. It's constant lies. It's not acknowledging all the amazing accomplishments our president has had. And what he's done for America. And they want to lead us on all these witch hunts. Why? Because it's good for their ratings. They need a narrative. They need something that they know their left-wing audience base is going to eat up. And what that is, is is a lot of it's hostility and violence. And, you know, maliciousness. It's crazy. They want to go after our president for nothing, just because they want they want to go they want to go after him. They want him out of there. They don't care if he's guilty of a crime. The mainstream media tries to twist things and spin things as much as possible to to make it look like that. You know, every every it seems like everything he does that's good, they they downplay it at at all costs. They don't give it the credit ever where it's due. But if Obama did anything like this, it would be front page headlines every single day. You know, there was a new poll out today. CNN and MSNBC overwhelmingly favor congressional Democrats and and everybody else in D.C. I mean, that's just one poll, but you get you get the point. It's overwhelmingly. And I know. You know, and we see where all these people's priorities are. We see how how in bed and how involved the Democrats are with the media. I don't, I, you know, I really want to get to the bottom of are there financial tr- transactions going going on behind closed doors? Transactions? I really think there are. 
I think I think the media, the Democrats, I think there's so much money going back and forth to cover their butts and to you know front for them and to make to make it look like you know they're always in the right. Because why else? I mean this this is and some of these stories that come out it's just it's like what the hell? You know we're seeing everything the Democrats are doing is bad for America. But what does the media do? Some way they find they they find a way, some way to make it look good. They spin. These people are mastermind storytellers, and it's totally misleading. It's brain it's brainwashing. You know, look at the homeless crisis. Look at all this stuff going on in all these liberal cities: L.A., Seattle, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, all run by liberals. You have these cities that are getting ruined, and the mainstream media would rather go after Donald Trump, say orange man bad. They're not even specific specific when they talk about Trump. They don't go into detail. They just say a lot of it's orange man bad without any facts or proof to back up what they're saying. And look at what's happening in Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong right now, I mean, they're fighting for their life. A lot of these people, they're fighting for, you know, equal liberty. They want, you know, they're fighting for liberty and their rights and their security and their freedom and trying to go against communism. They're facing something right now called socialism, something that the U.S. wants to shove down our throats, these Democrat politicians. You see what's going on. You see the outpouring. You see the anger, the outrage in these streets when this kind of crap gets pushed on, on, on people, this narrative of socialism. It sounds good to some people because, you know, people that, you know, nothing's free, and too many people don't understand that. But, you know, it, just like the Democrats storytelling, and they, and they spew these twisted facts, they make it sound good. And after it's implemented, like it has been in these countries, you see these people with the outrage. There are so many people that voted for communism in the past that come from these countries, and they say it was one of the worst decisions they ever made, and that's why they came to America, to get away from it. And you have people who were never fans of it, obviously, and they just, you know, they, they came to America for a better life, period. But I'm just saying there are so many strong examples, and every single example, that it's never worked anywhere. It's always been flawed. It's always bankrupted and put places in debt. And it's done massive harm, and it kills millions of people. You know, and, and look at what every look at what's happening to our society. You have big tech, you have news companies playing with the algorithms. You know, manufacturing the truth, twisting facts, spinning every single narrative possible that says anything good about Trump. People aren't getting the truth. This is dangerous. And like I said before, most people get their information online these days. They don't read a newspaper anymore. And a lot of what's online is liberal news trash that is, you know, uh, put in the algorithm on purpose to be at the very top and to purposely hide conservative news. This is not a secret. You know, it's, it's, it's insanity. 
And you know what I really want to look at? They all want to say, oh, well, Donald Trump is, and all these Republicans are colluding with foreign governments. No, I think the Democrats are the ones always colluding with foreign governments, and they never get called out. Let's face the facts. There's so much proof and, and things to back that up. Seen all these pictures and all of these different, different reports that came out with Democrats interfering with foreign countries. You now have the DNC chair, Tom Perez, who's going to fundraise in Mexico. Can you imagine if a Republican was going to do that in a foreign country, fundraise? You're really not supposed to. There has to be some sort of – there has to be something on this, some sort of you know, rules and, and gray areas here. I mean, come on. This, this is just very, very weird and corrupt and something to be very cautious of and attentive and keep an eye on this. Just too many people let stuff like this go, and then there's a new story out, and then we forget about it, and, you know, they get away with their corruption. You've got to hold these politicians accountable. And we see, we see the economy is the best it's ever been. It's the best. It's ever been. Numbers like never seen before. And you have these Democrats coming in here and they're with their 2020 stances and trying to downplay that. You know, they're trying to act dumbfounded and they're trying to spin that, trying to say to their supporters, well, you know, they'll say whatever. They'll say the biggest bullshit on earth. Well, people have to work two jobs in order to make ends meet. No, that's not true. Not true. You know, the tax cuts only benefited the rich. Bullshit. About 90% of it benefited the middle class. So maybe 10% or less benefited the rich. And don't forget who hires thousands and millions of employees. It's rich CEOs. You don't get job. You don't get, you, you know, a poor person can't hire a lot of people. And that's, you know, not sure that's not a mean statement. I'm just saying there, these corporations and these big businesses there's a reason why so many people get employed because these owners hire thousands and millions of people and give opportunity. You know, and, and look at look at what look at what we've turned into. You know, our country. You know, you have the squad, the smelly slobs, the, the gross feminists, AOC, Omar, uh, smelly Khalid, the Muslim, whatever the hell her name is. Um you know, these people are just repulsive. They're no, they have no talent. They're obstruction, obstructionists. They're vile. They're violent. They're hostile. And they don't care about their constituents. They're all about power. And they're getting nothing done. Listen to what Trump said about them earlier today. And then I want to play um, Tucker's clip from earlier tonight. You know, explaining how these 2020 Democrats are really out of touch. And it's pathetic. And you know, they really have nothing to go on. I mean, we're living in the best times ever in terms of economy. And whenever the economy is good, the president usually wins. You haven't had a president lose with a good economy since, I believe, World War II. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried. But uh, let's play this from President Trump earlier, reacting to the squad, and then we will play the Tucker clip after about the Biden and the other Democrats. Uh, but first, here we go, one four. Uh, on Israel, Congresswoman Ilan Omar yesterday said that the United States should rethink its policy of aid toward Israel after she and Congresswoman Tlaib uh, were denied entry. Congresswoman Tlaib 
was later allowed to come in, but she decided not to. Should there be any change in U.S. aid to Israel? No. And you should see the horrible things that Tlaib has said about Israel. And AOC plus three, that's what I call it. AOC, just take AOC plus three. And you should see the things that the four of them have said about Israel over the last couple of years. I mean, Omar is a disaster for Jewish people. I can't imagine if she has any Jewish people in her district that they could possibly vote for. But what Omar has said, what Tlaib has said, and then yesterday I noticed for the first time, Tlaib with the tears. All of a sudden, she starts with tears, tears. And I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second, because I've seen her in a very vicious mood at campaign rallies, my campaign rallies, before she was a congresswoman. I said, who is that? And I saw a woman that was violent and vicious and out of control. And all of a sudden, I see this person who's crying because she can't see her grandmother. She could see her grandmother. They gave her permission to see her grandmother, but she grandstanded, and she didn't want to do it. So that's a decision of Israel. That's not a, a lot of people are saying that was my decision. That's a decision of, of Israel. They can let them in if they want. But I don't think they want to. When you read the things that they've said about Israel, how bad. And if you look at their itinerary before they found out, you take a look at their itinerary, that was all going to be a propaganda tour against Israel. So I don't blame Israel for doing what they did. I have nothing to do with it, but I don't blame them for doing what they did. I think it would have been very bad to let them in, including the four. I'm talking about all four. But these two that wanted to get in, Omar and Tlaib. And I think it would be a very bad thing for Israel, but Israel has to do what they want to do. But I would not cut off aid to Israel. And I can't even believe that we're having this conversation. Five years ago, the concept of even talking about this, even three years ago, of cutting off aid to Israel because of two people that hate Israel and hate Jewish people, I can't believe we're even having this conversation. Where has the Democratic Party gone? Where have they gone? where they're defending these two people over the state of Israel. And I think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat, uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Interesting how we were talking about that last night, about how, you know, Jewish people that vote for Democrat, you know, Democrat, Jewish Democrats are so lost on their ideology. And any Jewish person that votes Democrat doesn't understand. I mean, they just don't. Uh, it's a really sad thing. And like I said, you have almost about 80% of Jewish people in the United States that are Democrats. You have very little that are conservative. And, you know, it's sickening how the Democratic Party enables this sort of behavior from the squad, people like AOC and Omar. It's, it's just it's totally it's crazy out of line. Uh, here is Tucker from earlier tonight. You know, explaining how these Democrats really, uh, it's just pathetic. And Joe Biden, you know, Joe Biden's wife made a very derogatory and, and, unmet, and such a out-of-character statement, basically saying, well, you know, if, if you have a problem with Joe Biden, you may have to bite, like something like this, you may have to bite your tongue a little bit and just understand he's the best option and choice to beat Trump. Oh, yeah, okay. Jesus Christ, 
so silly. This is ridiculous. Oh, one seven. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. It'd be funny to do a poll sometime and ask people who live in Washington, D.C., have you ever met Joe Biden personally? And I bet a strikingly large percentage would say yes. Biden has been in Washington forever. How long? Here's some perspective. Joe Biden first ran for president more than 30 years ago. Didn't go well, to put it mildly. At the time, Biden was caught stealing details from another man's biography, Neil Kinnock's biography and forced to drop out any humiliating scandal. People who knew him, though, always thought he would try again for the presidency, and of course he is, though this year seems a pretty strange time to do it. It's hard, in fact, to imagine a candidate more out of step with the moment he's running. Biden is old and pale at a time when his party worships youth and diversity. Biden has spent decades cultivating a reputation, deserved or not, as a moderate at a time when his party is moving hard to the left. As of right now, though, Biden is still the frontrunner for the Democratic nomination, but it's not a comfortable fit. So what exactly is Joe Biden running on? Well, if you guessed ideas, have another beer. You've obviously had a few beers already, if you think that. No, Biden is not running on ideas. He's emphatically not an ideas man. Instead, Biden is running on electability, the notion that only he, only Joe Biden, can beat Donald Trump. We'll let Biden's new campaign ad explain. Watch. We know in our bones this election is different. The stakes are higher, the threat more serious. We have to beat Donald Trump. And all the polls agree Joe Biden is the strongest Democrat to do the job. He'll restore the soul of the nation. Battered by an erratic, vicious, bullying president. Strong, steady, stable leadership. Biden, president. Got that? Strong, steady, stable. Not doddering, flaky, weird. No, strong, steady, stable. That's Joe Biden's self-description. He's the most experienced candidate in the race, he often says. In fact, he's the only vice president in American history who served more than two full terms in office. And that's how he met the survivors of the Parkland shooting at the White House just last year. Last year. And the rest of us assumed that Mike Pence was the vice president. But no. Watch. I watched what happened when those kids from Parkland came up to see me when I was vice president. They went under the, and some, some of you covered it. There you go. Pretty impressive. You thought that Pence was the VP. No, Biden was still the vice president, and none of us knew it. But it turns out there are a lot of things you didn't know about Joe Biden. For example, Biden's conventional biography, the one you can find on Wikipedia, claims he went from a private high school to college and then right to law school, where he graduated 76th in a class of 85 students. That's the Biden we thought we knew. What we didn't know was that while becoming an attorney, Biden was also working deep underground, literally underground as a coal miner, streaked face and headlamp included. And that's why he coughs sometimes still. All these years later, mining just takes it out of a man. Listen to him explain. Hope you won't hold it against me, but I am a hard coal miner, anthracite coal, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Okay, that's where I was born and raised. And it's nice to be back in coal country. It's true. You should also know that Biden was also at various times a fireman, a hard-boiled homicide detective, a gold miner in the Yukon, and a wise old Indian chief who slayed many a bear in his day. Not your average politician, for sure. Needless to say, Biden was also a war hero. Of course he was. Not in his generation's war. Deferments kept Joe Biden out of Vietnam. No. As the oldest American soldier slash U.S. senator serving in Iraq, 
breathing relentless enemy fire to bring democracy to that benighted nation. Watch. Number one, you take all the troops out, you better have helicopters ready to take those 3,000 civilians inside the green zone where I've been seven times and shot at. Yeah, he's been shot at. Others, we should tell you, remember that moment differently. They claim Biden was simply staying at a hotel in Iraq when a mortar exploded hundreds of yards away, a mortar that didn't even delay the breakfast buffet. But whatever. To Joe Biden, it was yet another death-defying moment in a long life as the world's most interesting senator. Listen to the time he nearly got killed by the Taliban. If you want to know where al-Qaeda lives, you want to know where bin Laden is, come back to Afghanistan with me. Come back to the area where my helicopter was forced down with a three-star general and three United States senators at 10,500 feet in the middle of those mountains. I can tell you where they are. Now, once again, we must tell you there is some dispute about what actually happened. Other possibly more factually reliable participants claim that Biden's helicopter landed because of a snowstorm, not because Osama bin Laden was personally trying to murder Biden. But don't tell Senator Biden that. Nor should you tell him that nobody can remember seeing him at all those civil rights sit-ins and demonstrations he claims to have led in the 1960s either. He and Martin Luther King, leaders of the movement. That's his story. He's got a million stories like that, and he's the hero of every single one of them. Take a seat and he'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, as you listen, that this man, this former coal miner and civil rights leader, is the single sanest person running for president as a Democrat this year. Meditate on that for a minute. Aye, aye, aye. I mean, if this is the Democrats' front runner. Good God. I mean, you know what? Trump is going to <laughs> – he might win 49 states. I mean, it, you know, he <laughs> Trump could win, you know, bigger than anybody has won in a very long time. I mean, Joe Biden is slurring his words. He's saying stuff that isn't true. He's getting old. He doesn't remember, doesn't remember things. Biden. So, yeah, you know, it's the only other person I could think it would be for the nominee would be Pocahontas or maybe, maybe Bernie, but I don't know. I mean, these people are so out of touch with reality. And, and let's face it, Biden is only going with ideology that is left-wing communism. There's no more moderate Joe Biden. You know, it's it is crazy. This is just mind blowing. Uh, Doctor Branch, go ahead. Hey, well, Rory, you, you disappointed me. You would talk about Bernie Sanders was out doing your Bernie impression. It's just it, 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 Bernie, we Bernie. needed to hear Bernie. <laughs> you know, when Joe crazy. Biden now now Adele, uh, my wife, went out with me campaigning for seventeen months, and. Yeah. You know, she was so supportive and all that. If my wife would have came and said what Joe Biden said to the, the constituents, she begged the constituents to hold your nose and vote for her husband. Are you right. kidding me? I mean, that is the endorsement from your wife. <laughs> Come on now. You know, and, uh, you, you know, you, you hit on a lot of things there from fundraising in Mexico to 
you know, uh, that, that report by Epstein on uh, Google and being biased. You know, the one thing that the left will do is they won't acknowledge uh, what really happened in, in these elections. They, they'll turn around and they'll take one word from President Trump. For instance, President Trump said, well, Google manipulated uh, when Epstein said, no, Google had a bias that caused three million, almost 3 million votes in the 2016 and will cause a bias of about 15 million votes in the 2020. Well, you know, as, as a college professor and somebody that works on dissertations and is a research methodologist for the university, a bias does manipulate data, period. They want to argue, the left wants to argue on semantics and not the, the content. The content is Google and these companies have set up a bias, a search bias, where, you know, without people even knowing it, will now vote for the Democrat, whoever it is, because of their bias. Now, you know, President Trump came out and said that was manipulation. The left isn't arguing what was said by Epstein on the bias. They're arguing with, you know, President Trump on the word manipulation. And to me, people need to be really alarmed. If 15 million votes are going to go to Democrats just because of a bias and algorithm on Google, we have a huge problem. And now you have the DNC fundraising in Mexico. Could you imagine if President Trump started fundraising in, well, let's say Russia? Well, you know, in Russia. You know, oh my gosh, no collusion there. And uh, you know, we, you know, I, I look forward to hearing what the other guests have to say. But you know, this is this is this is completely insanity that we're seeing from the left right now. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Very, very well said. Uh, Franklin, go ahead. Well, it's amazing, actually. Uh, I've had a lot of experience with that, just jumping into this race here for Congress. You know, all of the times I get interviewed by either a local television station or a local newspaper, I don't typically get the opportunity that I'm getting here tonight to give an extended response and, and to let my comments be heard in full. So quite often I'll speak for 15 or 20 minutes in an interview, and it'll be reduced down to one uh, particular soundbite, if you will. And so, uh, you know, I, I can remember the last one I did, I got to the end of it, and uh, I made the statement when they asked me about how I would uh, support the president in Congress. I said that if I'm elected to Congress, that the president will have no greater ally than Franklin Sager. And the, that night at 5 o'clock on the evening news, they basically played the interview, and that was the only thing. You, so you wouldn't know anything else that I said but that. And it's sort of funny because that was the soundbite I wanted anyway because I'm very happy to stand uh, shoulder to shoulder with the president, and I certainly stand by that statement that if I'm elected, he will have no greater ally in Congress than myself. But uh, it's funny now. I, I sort of track the local newspapers. So once a week on a Friday, I'll get a report from some of my staff members, and they'll put together several of the local headlines from all around the different counties that week. And almost every one of them will uh, – in their headline, when they mention my name, they'll either put Sager, a staunch Trump Republican, or a uh, staunch Trump supporter, or something like that. And it's sort of funny because you know that that, in most instances, is being uh, said as sort of a 
a negative uh, <laughs> connotation with it, or they're certainly trying to paint it that way. But I, I kind of get a smile every time I hear it. So I don't, I don't worry a whole lot about that stuff. And you know, I'm, you know, the beneficiaries, of course, of a lot of the crazy things happening in the media are people like yourself, Lori. So that you have this, we have the new media now where people are turning to find alternate sources because they know that. Uh, the mainstream media the, and the newspapers, of course, as you said, they're all failing. I mean, our local newspaper here uh, where I live is uh, almost on life support. It's, and you see this uh, all over the country, especially uh, in these uh, cities that are heavily uh, – have a left-leaning bias. So uh, you see that all the time. And so I think that uh, the bloggers, people who have uh, radio programs like yours and others – in fact, uh, three or four weeks ago when I was down in Washington, I had a meeting with Dennis Prager, and he was telling me about uh, the lawsuit he had going on with Google because several of his uh, videos on, on Prager University have been censored as you know child inappropriate. And it's funny, you click on those videos and you see them and you go through all the disclaimers to actually get through YouTube and get past the block to see the video. And it's stuff like uh, talking about how communism is bad, how communism has destroyed nations, how children... Are, are negatively their futures are negatively impacted by socialism and communism, but I guess that's sort of on the same par with these uh, local uh, left-leaning media sources as like child pornography or something. This is like a you know that kind of that it's so harmful to children to tell them the dangers of communism, and so I sort of I, I chuckle. But honestly, I really think that at the end of the day, most Americans are fairly smart. They, I think most Americans can see past a lot of that. You know, you, you met, mentioned, of course, a lot of things about the squad. And when uh, the president made his comments, you know, of course, not the, the media didn't portray it as the president made the statement or the president made the statement that some might consider racist or controversial. No, they, they outright made a, a, a decision that it was racist. So they reported it. The president makes racist remarks. And, and so they sort of said it uh, in a non-objective fashion. And so I think the average American sees past that. And I think that uh, – I'm not worried about the president's chance of re-election. I agree with you. Um, I don't know that it will be 49 states, but I do think that he's going to win uh, even a better majority than he did last time, and I think it might be the biggest win uh, for a Republican since Reagan. I, I'm not worried at all about his re-election uh, opportunities, and so I, I'm really excited uh, for where we're at right now in the process. I do agree with you that every day I shake my head at some of the more stranger things that come out. And uh, then finally, of course, commenting on Sleepy Joe. Uh, I don't know that Sleepy Joe is going to be the candidate. It's hard to say right now. I, I think Elizabeth Warren does have a shot. It's hard to say. Uh, it's funny sort of watching them all trying to one out left one another. Yeah, I, Cory Booker introduced a bill uh, to open up an exploratory uh, panel commission to try to see about uh, racial reparations. And then Elizabeth Warren came out and said, well, we need to have reparations for uh, same-sex uh, couples and all these things. So it's like they're just one-upping one another. Pretty soon everyone gets, just gets a check. You know, I think I stubbed my toe in the fourth grade. I'm entitled to, you know, a five bucks or something. But uh, they're just one-upping one another. I think Sleepy Joe right now is probably the most boring candidate, which uh, is helping him probably with some people in the Democratic Party in the center, the, the few of them that are left that haven't swung all the way uh, to the crazy land. And uh, so I think the leftists are, are trying to take over the party, but Sleepy Joe's trying to sort of, maintain a little bit of hold on, on the liberals. And, of course, liberals, there's a big difference between a liberal and a leftist. A liberal is someone who thinks conservatives are wrong. A leftist is someone who thinks that a conservative is evil. And, unfortunately, that's right. the part that really scares me is the indoctrination of young people that I see where they believe that if you support the president, if you, are, you support conservative ideas, if you support Israel, 
uh, that you are evil, not, uh, not wrong, not something to disagree with, but evil, racist, xenophobic, all the words, you know, you know what they say. And so that's what really concerns me more so is that indoctrination that happens that, that's sort of trying to convince people that, that we're Nazis, that we're fascists, that we're evil, that somehow we hate America, uh, which is certainly you know, we're the party trying to save the soul of America. Well, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. No, very well said. Very well said. Um, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Hold on a second. Let's see here. Trying to get Kevin. Hold on a second. Having some technical difficulties. Bear with me, guys. Having some issues with the phone lines right now. I don't know what the hell is going on. Bear with me. You know, actually, we need to take a quick commercial. I need to figure out what's going on with the with the technical difficulties. Uh, but stay with us. And we will be right back. This is the Rory Sauter Show. Very weird.
Everybody, we are back. We were having major technical issues. Um, let me make sure. Kevin, go ahead. Uh, I th- we're back now. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> go ahead. All right. Your I'll thoughts on everything. Uh, yeah, so anyways, I think it's really hilarious, too, that uh, Joe Biden is being embraced by a majority of the left as their ultimate champion. And considering that he's this essentially very old white man, almost a geriatric, you know, Alzheimer's prone kind of uh, stereotype that is embellishing stories like a, like a, an old sailor in order to gain the respect of his, his family. And it's uh, not working out for him very well at all. And I, I think the best uh, kind of measurement to use at this point to decide who is most likely going to be the Democratic uh, uh primary winner i think it's going to be elizabeth warren because she's uh in the head of uh the the betting odds if you if you look at the betting odds it says elizabeth warren so i i believe it i mean i just think that uh, joe biden is um just the more moderate candidate and that's kind of why they the democrats are somewhat you know more interested in him and he's a throwback to uh president obama um but uh, i don't think he'll he'll make it very far ultimately and on to the more important topic of the, the media and uh, Antifa style groups is that I think most any Republican can agree that Antifa by, by every measure and metric that uh, they are considered a domestic terrorist organization. And I think a lot of times uh, regular Republicans forget that uh, the media is a very establishment uh, extension of Antifa. They are, you know, bringing Antifa into you know prominence. They're using the rhetoric, and they are inciting violence from these groups. And uh, I, I still see that Antifa, uh, generally speaking, is growing. And I, I also see that the uh, Patriot-style groups are also growing. So we have a lot of uh, violence ahead um, that's uh, going to be in store for us. And uh, let's talk more about like, what Antifa even is. Uh, history doesn't always necessarily repeat, but it definitely rhymes, and that's because uh, Antifa was styled after what was called the Black Bloc Movement. And if if you go back to Reagan's time, he was, you know, a very strong fighter against the uh, the communists and this whole Cold War policies that he, he had fought. And wh- what's important to realize, too, is that uh, it was in 1987, he had gone to Berlin, and that was his you know, famous speech, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But there was a, a, a tremendous amount of protesters taking place there, 2,000-plus uh, of which being these uh, terrorist-style, you know, they're anarcho-communist domestic terrorists that were there to incite violence and to take down a capitalist um, you know, speech of uh, Mr. Reagan. And, uh, and it's very much because the Soviet Union was, was hurting and uh, capitalism was, was hurting them. And so essentially, uh, President Trump is the, the Reagan of our time. He is the person that is making such a huge impact around the world against these communist uh, influences. And you see that all throughout, especially Europe, there's a lot more populism is, is sprouting up, and not just Europe, but uh, other countries as well, Brazil, and we see it in Hong Kong and um, and it, it is really important to realize, too, about uh, Hong Kong. I mean, uh, they are absolutely facing a terrible threat of, of communism, essentially. And uh, they have uh, the biggest threat that is going to soon be a threat to us is the Chinese social credit system. 
and the Chinese social credit system has basically been a big brother force that watches them. And uh, I'm sure we, we know a lot about what that is, but over this year alone, they've uh, made 23 million Chinese people have been blacklisted from being able to use uh, any uh, travel in China. And that's because they've been deemed not, uh, you know, civically allowed to. And it's just a, a big control mechanism uh, that is, is soon going to, you know, spread into other nations. So um, I, I think, uh, you know, Trump and other you know, patriots are going to do everything they can to stop this communist force. And these Antifa style groups are going to do everything they can to essentially promote it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, very well said. Uh, we will be right back with uh, Steve Ray. Stay with us, everybody. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries, on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss me past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Also remember, next month we will be releasing the new 24-7 network, many notable names doing their own shows, as well as my good friend America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, will be the main faces of the network. Very excited. Um, this network's going to be huge. I can't wait. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show 
his first time on, a Trump rally announcer, TV producer, and popular talk show host, Steve Ray. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Rory. How about yourself? And I, I do have to correct you. I am not the rally announcer. That actually is a misnomer. I am the president's announcer for all non-political events, the inauguration parade, the concert at the Lincoln Memorial, and the uh, inaugural ball, plus introducing him within the White House. Wow. Jesus. Look at you. Um, amazing. Uh, so <laughs> oh, your first time on way, the show. Sorry? I would be remiss if I didn't correct a previous guest of yours. We're not looking for a 49-state landslide. We're looking for a, in the words of Mr. Obama, 57-state landslide. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is funny. That is funny. Um, but, yeah, your first time on, Steve. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us how it all started for you, different chapters you've been through in your life. You know, uh, you've had quite the success. It's uh, pretty impressive. Well, I can tell you that a lot of it started right here in D.C., where uh, we had a family friend who worked at CBS. And as a kid, literally, an 8, 9, 10-year-old, when my uh, mother would uh, go shopping with this fellow's wife, uh, I would be left at CBS in D.C. while he announced Face the Nation. And you can only imagine as a as a kid at that time, looking up at all these monitors in the fall and winter and seeing all these NFL games across the country going on. And this guy, Ted Miller was his name. Ted uh, took me under his wing. And I never looked back. Honest to goodness, I have been very, very lucky in that my voice changed when I was, uh, you know, 12, 13 years old. I did radio here in D.C., spent 20 years in L.A., a year each in Taipei, Taiwan, and Shanghai, China. And I actually do have some insight as to what's going on in uh, Hong Kong because I still voice every day uh, some of the print articles for the South China Morning Post. And uh, I'm connected still with a lot of of friends in Hong Kong and uh, southern China. Um, But this, this whole deal of being the president's announcer came out of the blue because a friend of mine who was on the advance team called one day and said, with all your experience in Los Angeles, I know that you have stunt driving experience. Would you like to step up and drive one day in the uh, uh, motorcade? And at that point, a candidate gets, yes, they get Secret Service protection, but all the staff vehicles behind the two protected vehicles are driven by volunteers. I ended up doing that 18 times, including three times for uh, the vice president, soon to be vice president. And Keith Schiller, a lot of people uh, know Keith as the uh, head of security for Mr. Trump, uh, privately, was always in my corner and said, listen, we want to freshen up the, uh, the inauguration presentation. The guy who was doing it at the time, a friend of mine, Charlie Brotman, who was 90 at that point, had done every inauguration parade, inaugural parade, from Eisenhower's second inauguration to, at that point, Obama's second. And Keith 
was in my corner and put the bug in the right people's ears along with my friend on the advanced team. And we made it happen. Uh, so in 2017, on that January morning, that we will all remember, uh, we broke the mold in a number of ways. And um, I even took some heat on CNN and from uh, Rachel Maddow and uh, Rosie O'Donnell's followers on Twitter to the point where I got death threats simply because I was Trump's boy. You know, I was Trump's first um, selection, so to speak, to uh, to do something publicly for him once he became the president-elect. And I wear that with a badge of honor, my friend. Anybody that can t- take heed from Maddow and Rosie and, uh, you know, that gang of uh, scofflaws and <laughs> ne'er-do-wells, uh, man, I'm all I'm all for anybody who can stand up to that as as we did, and as we did to uh, Carol Costello on uh, CNN, as we did pushing back to um, the folks at NPR that uh, that uh, said, oh, uh, I'm replacing a 90 year old legend, and and it just you know didn't hold any water because quite frankly, Charlie could not have withstood the weather that morning one more time around to begin with. The poor guy had just lost his wife uh, of many, many decades in November, and it was time for a change. It's a volunteer, nonpartisan, apolitical position, and I just happened to be a Trump supporter. So they went after me. And again, I wear that as a badge of courage. I I mean, yeah, I love it, man. This is very incredible stuff. And, you know, you've had quite the career in Hollywood. You know, you've been a a producer, you've done voiceover, you've hosted shows, you know, tell us all about that. Well, listen, uh, in addition to talking about that, can I speak to something you guys were speaking about before? And yes, yes. I've been listening since the beginning and I, and I don't mind getting bumped by Tucker, but uh, uh, getting bumped right. by Joe Biden, that's, and that's but, a bit much. Just but by the way, we Just were having, we were having some technical difficulties. <laughs> how, how, how long did, did the show cut out for about a minute? There was, some, there was something wrong with the system. Uh, actually, it was, about, it was about four minutes, but I heard every curse word you said in the background. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, okay. Listen, the one thing I wanted to talk about since I do still work as a journalist, a true journalist, is the fact that a true journalist, regardless of your personal feelings, your personal beliefs, you've got to report the truth even when it makes people uncomfortable. And in our brand of democracy, you've got mm-hmm. to continue to shine a bright light on that thought-crushing insanity that's taken hold among young Americans and at some of our most important institutions, the press being among them. And you know why they hate it so much? Because they hate it when we push back. You will notice that whenever any, any gain is made – on that side of the political spectrum, they continue to push and push and push for more advancement, no matter what the category is that we're talking about, whether it's schools, whether it's voters' rights, whether it's transgender issues, whether whatever it is, you name it. If that's something that they truly believe in, they will take a step forward if they gain even that much and continue to push and push and push. So when we fight back, when we push back, 
that is the one thing that irritates the living hell out of them. So continue to do it. Continue to demand that the press reports the truth without shading, even when it makes people uncomfortable. And I, and I can tell you from having gotten a, a broadcast journalism degree from a school that is very liberal, I know how these guys are being indoctrinated. <clears throat> that, that the reason they're shading is because they think their job is to be, be issue advocates, not reporters. And it's the wrong stance to take. When I, when I go to work, by example, next week for three days, I will report and anchor for WBAL in Baltimore, well-respected news radio station. Unfortunately, some of the folks in that newsroom think it's their job to be issue advocates. So part of my job is to strip all that shading away get right down to the facts, and truly report on whatever that story is. And we know all the troubles that Baltimore is in, there's plenty to chew on. That doesn't have to be shaded. You lay the truth out there, especially if you're part of our side of the media. And I think you'll, you'll gain much more respect than, than what we're seeing now with these horrendous ratings. Uh, on on cable news outlets that I shall not name uh, that are tanking worse than public access cable channels in in some fashion, you know? So uh, shows like yours, by the way, I know pick up a lot of new listeners. Podcasting is the way to go. You're on a lot of great platforms. I know, by example, I'm getting private messages as you, you and I are speaking that there are brand-new listeners in Texas. I want to say hi to a Dr. Sonia who's listening down there in Dallas. We've picked up a lot of a lot of folks for you by spreading the word. So you've got to get out there and really kick ass every single day and hold strong when it comes to the press and the First Amendment, just as any one of us would if it were a Second Amendment issue. We've got to be strong on the First Amendment as we are on the second one. And that's the one thing I would put out there for those of us on this side of the line who are more, shall we say, clear thinkers. Yeah, and well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I talk about this on my show several times, how journalism has been dead for so long. You know, what these, what these people do is they write basically a fictional story that, you know, makes their narrative sound good. You know, whatever fits, you know, their, their, well, what their sheep will, will eat up. I mean, that, that's what they, they go off of. I mean, it, it's sick stuff how we don't have the truth anymore. And, you know, we have all of this fake news and all of these smear campaigns. And it's, it's sad. It's really a sad time in America. It, it is, and I, and I will say this, and I heard this said today on uh, on regular terrestrial radio, that the New York Times has gone from being the newspaper of record to being an advocacy company, that it no longer practices journalism. They find an end point, they find a result, and then they write the story backwards to support that point. Yeah. That isn't yeah. journalism. You go in search of the truth with forward momentum. You don't right. establish a truth, repeat it over and over again, and then try and find things to support that. 
because you know as 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 you know as well as I do uh certain folks on that side of the aisle never let facts get in the way of a good argument right no it's true it's true and you know you're absolutely right and we are living in a time uh like never seen before i mean it's it's a crazy divide and uh you know it's scary it really is and i want to i want to get back into you know asking you about you know your life and it's very impressive um, you know, tell us about starting off, though. You've obviously been a producer. You've, you know, been the, the announcer for Trump. You've uh, done talk shows. You had a lot of time in Hollywood. Tell us about your time in Hollywood. I've seen you with a lot of big people in, in your photos and stuff. Uh, the one photo I think you probably saw on my Facebook page is one that shocks a lot of people, and that is a picture of me with Vice President Biden, not to sidestep your your question about those years in L.A., but that came about because I had made it a point early on in radio to also learn the technical side of things and made it a point to learn how to be an audio engineer so that if and when my voice ever failed, I would still have the technical ability to support myself in in a production uh, facility. So I get a call out of the blue one day from the very people that I'm voicing uh, articles for, for Time Magazine, for Reuters, uh, World Service, for South China Morning Post. And they said, listen, we need an engineer to go over to uh, Vice President. He was already out of office, but uh, uh, Mr. Biden's home and record his daily podcast introductions. And an apocryphal story especially now as you see a lot of photographs uh, with him getting a little bit too close to folks. In his home, beautiful home, his his wife was not there. His sister was, who helps to run his uh, private business, a lot of agents from William Morris and and so forth. Uh, He came up to me before we started and broke that personal plane that you have when you're one-on-one with somebody, he put his hand on my shoulder and looked me right in the face, and he said, and this is literally a month after the inauguration, he said, I know who you are. And he paused. He let it hang out there and got this big smile on his face, and he said, you did a great job on the inaugural parade. We're all proud of you. Now let's get to work. But to do that, he broke that personal plane and got right there, uh, literally less than a book's width away from me, you know? And it, it speaks to how he, um, I'm not going to say violates, but how he uses your personal space to get himself over with you. And I think that's a very dangerous practice on the campaign trail. What I will say about those 20 years in L.A. is that I found there are a lot more of us in Hollywood than you might believe. Uh, Besides Bruce Willis and John Voight and Clint Eastwood and people like that, like Stacey Dash, um, Chuck Woolery, who I worked on when Chuck was hosting uh, Love Connection. I was on the other side of that studio wall on the air on a radio station that was connected to that soundstage. 
but there uh, there is, and Gary Sinise is a part of this, an organization called Friends of AIDS, which is a group of of uh, people in the entertainment business who are literally on the right side of things, and uh, we stay connected that way. You know that, that that it's very tough for us to come out and be vocal in the entertainment business simply because of the number of of people on the other side of the aisle that have been a part of that, entrenched in it for so many years, as you can see by California politics, as you can see by the content, the slant of the um, of the stuff that comes out of Los Angeles in terms of entertainment and entertainment value and lack of family values or American values in some cases. Um, I, I can tell you, uh, one of the things I made sure of was knowing who I was working for at any one time, that I did that to protect myself. I have only worked once for Harvey Weinstein's organization. That happened to be here when they produced a um, a show called Broadway at the White House where they had performers come into the East Room and, and uh, did a show that later aired on, I think, Black Entertainment. Oh, I'm sorry, not Black Entertainment. Uh, on TV One and on PBS, uh, I worked once and only once with Brian Singer, the director of uh, X-Men and, and uh, The Usual Suspects, who you know uh, is kind of caught up in this Hollywood pedophilia uh, ring. Um, never worked for him again. I worked here with Kevin Spacey, and I won't even go into that uh, mosh pit, but, I mean, it's it's eye-opening, uh, what you think is going on is only the tip of the iceberg. It's endemic. And I would advise anybody who is thinking about getting into the business I'm in to go in with eyes wide open. Absolutely. And, you know, so obviously this business is very liberal dominated and you know, talk talk about the pedophilia, and obviously that's a big that's a big problem in Hollywood. Explain that. I think it's a big problem because it's already a closed society, so to speak, where you can't get anywhere unless you are friends with or know of folks um, directly. Whether you're interconnected, whether you have relationships with them at a business level or at a personal level, it very much mm-hmm. is. Who you know, and I think unfortunately, because of that, they believe they are in a protected part of society, so they think they can get away with doing their anything. That's not the case, especially now, when you see the charges levied against Harvey Weinstein by literally dozens and dozens of actresses. When you see, uh, in the case of Jeffrey Epstein that that river runs really deep, not just in political circles, but in entertainment circles and, and business circles and beyond, um, that I think the, as my, as my friend radio host Chris Plant calls it, the pound me too movement, 
uh, hashtag Me Too, um, <laughs> the Pound Me Too movement, I think, opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that this isn't just going on with male casting directors and male producers with female actresses. It's going on with every permutation you can possibly come up with. And as we said at the top of the interview, when the left or those people on that side of the aisle make certain advances, they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I think this is a case where, and I, I know that there are gay Republicans. I know that there are Republicans of all <coughs> shapes and sizes and, and preferences. And I'm not going after them. I'm not, I'm not saying this to belittle them or make anything less of their lifestyle than, you know, they already have to put up with a lot of crap. What I'm saying is when the left started to push a non-centric family where you have two dads or two moms or blended families of different sexualities, the next step naturally was to try and normalize uh, relationships with those younger than what society is allowing now. And I think the forefront of that, if you go all the way back to the film Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields, when at age 12 and 13, she was shown in very compromising, salacious uh, content that um, that's kind of a benchmark where the pushback started on this. Even Jeffrey Epstein in his interviews in the past has said, this is how I think, this is what I am, there's no defense for it, people should accept it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we we see how, you know, this whole Me Too movement and how President Trump has made a huge difference with exposing a lot of this, because like I said many times on my show, if Hillary Clinton would have won the election, all this Me Too stuff in Hollywood and everywhere would have probably never been exposed, because think about it, who who's funding Hillary Clinton and these Democrats? It's Hollywood, and you know, True. we see, and and we see, you know, the, the scary part of how liberalism takes over in Hollywood. And I, I have many different theories about that. One of my strongest theories is obviously they want to stay rich and they want to control the entire country and keep everybody way below them. I mean, it's basically a power thing, in my opinion. That's just one of well, the power, power is always built on the weak. Power has yeah. always been built on the weak. There's no question right. about that. And you see that with the and and I'm going to say Candace and a couple of other folks uh, in the African American community who started the Blexit movement. I think that's yeah. some of the bravest stuff I have ever seen in my life. And I it's will great, tell you, isn't it? oh, it's wonderful. Uh, uh, Candace and Charlie and all the guys uh, and gals that are a part of that joy, uh, uh, joy as well. Um, that when I first went to Los Angeles in 1980, and I spent about 20 yeah. years there, one of my right. first girlfriends happened to have been Jackie Robinson's niece, the great oh, African American wow. baseball player, Jackie's niece, uh, Jeanette. 
from the from the Pasadena side of the family. And you can imagine 1980, 81, 82, a mixed race couple, myself, and and uh, although she was a mixture of black, white, French, and Indian, was still medium to dark skinned. Man, we got we got heat like it was 1955 Alabama in 1980s Los Angeles. It made no sense to me. But in looking back on it, what you're finding is that, you know, power built on the weak is that plantation mentality. As long as we keep you down, we stay up. And that that really gets to me because it assumes wrongfully that if you are a certain color or a certain religion or of a certain background, that you must, in lockstep, vote this way. Uh, I have a friend, very close friend, Barry Morgenstein, who is a photographer out of New York. Barry is Jewish, and yet he is one of the strongest conservatives and Republicans you will ever meet in your life. And it's a huge bone of contention with him particularly in the face of what the squad is doing now in terms of uh, this anti-Israel, anti-Semitic content that they're putting out there, um, that Barry can't understand why his fellow Jews, including those who have family members who came through the Holocaust, why in the world would you ever, ever vote Democratic? when they have this lockstep um, mentality. That's not, that's not freedom in any sense of the word. That, that's a plantation mentality. That's keeping you locked in. Um, and, and it just it floors me whenever I talk to uh, folks who can't seem to absorb the fact that in some cities, Baltimore included, D.C. included, Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco, that poor woman up in Sacramento who has to step over homeless folks and fecal matter just to get into her own store every morning that, that we've seen on the news lately. All of those cities have voted primarily for Democratic leadership for 50, 60 more, and more uh, uh, years and yet mm-hmm. haven't advanced worth a lick. When, when the hell are yeah. they going to get their wake-up call, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah it's It just true. floors me, but, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's really mind-blowing. And, you know, I'm reading your bio, and, you know, very impressive career. You know, you, you've worked with so many directors. You've helped them, helped with various scripts. Um, obviously, the notable voiceover work for commercials and live events. You did the inauguration. And, you know, tell us about – obviously, people don't know this about you, but you were also a sports broadcaster uh, for the Washington Nationals, which is huge. That's really big. Well, the first seven seasons that they were here, uh, uh, when they came down from Montreal, when the Montreal Expos were awarded to D.C., um, I was very lucky in that I was already working for the radio station that eventually got their broadcast rights. And I get a call because I'd done uh, uh, the producing for the 
uh, radio network for the California Angels when Gene Autry owned the team when I was in Los Angeles up until the, the 1994 baseball strike year. And I get a call from the general manager of the station, and he says, listen, I, I understand you're just about the only guy in the building who's <laughs> ever run a sports radio network. And I said, yeah. And <clears throat> that February of 2005, before the team really uh, was in D.C., they were in, the, uh, you know, in their Florida home doing uh, the spring training games. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> Let me hit mute for just a second. I got a cough. You're fine. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Um, so, uh, literally within a couple of days of the the first couple of spring training games, they had the voice of the morning drive guy on the flagship station doing the opening billboards. He was doing like an adult alternative format and had a voice about like this. It was kind of up here. And the guys who were running the team said, we can't have that. That is not a baseball voice. And one of the play-by-play guys, Charlie Slows, God bless him because he was really in my corner. He said, listen, you've got Steve right here. Let him do the billboards. Let him do the TV and radio promos, all the ticket spots and all the the, the promotional things we need for uh, for uh, both radio and TV. They took his advice, and literally the next day and for the next seven years, I did every radio and TV ticket and promo spot and every opening billboard, every uh, game package open and so forth, while Charlie uh, Slows and Dave Jagler, first it was Dave Shea, but Dave Jagler did the play-by-play. And you can't take that away from me. I mean, that's a part of history. Um, to be the, the TV and radio promo voice of the Nationals, their first seven seasons. And uh, uh, as a part of that, getting to be the backup PA announcer at the stadium. So that's cool in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this this your career, and, and you've done – uh, hundreds and hundreds, if, if not thousands, of radio and TV appearances, and you do your own show as well. Tell us all about that. Well, I actually don't do my own show anymore. I've done um, reporting and anchoring for other stations. But uh, in the old days in L.A., I did a syndicated show that was focused on the original 50s, 60s, early 70s, oldies, which was great. But along the way, uh, when I came back to D.C. in 1999, uh, I ended up as the co-host and producer of a show that was hosted by uh, John Fredericks, who happens to be the Virginia state chairperson for the Trump campaign. It was statewide. And a lot of the people that you've talked to or that you know and that a lot of your Twitter followers probably know and follow were on the show, including virtually every single, um, not only Republican, but every every single uh, congressperson from Virginia, uh, senator, and then state senator, and uh, uh, even at the time, uh, Governor uh, Bob uh, McDonald and his wife uh, were on many times, and I went down during the um, 
during the 200th anniversary of the governor's mansion and interviewed uh, Bob and Maury McDonald as well. So that, you know, a lot of good stuff has come my way just by having these pipes. Yeah, and you know, tell tell us about your tell us about your time in Washington. I mean, obviously, you still have a um, you're heavily involved with a, a lot uh, going on there, and you're you're in charge of a gala too, right? And a, a couple yeah, of events you do oversee. Well, every year there's a, there's a group called the White House News Photographers Association, which is made up of both the photographers and videographers who not only cover the White House, but they cover news around the world. These are the men and women, the camera people, and the still photographers who are in all those press moshes and those stakeouts and those long hours and the travel who cover not only the president, but virtually everything uh, of major interest in the news. And every year, and th- this organization has been around 98 years, 98 years. Every year, they have an Eyes on History Gala, which celebrates the best work of those people throughout the previous year. And I have been very fortunate. I got a call uh, about three years ago, that the original director of that annual gala had passed away. Um, a very noted director, uh, by the way. And he had passed away during a very simple hospital uh, visit. And they needed someone immediately. And I stepped up and I did it. It's uh, held at the Ritz-Carlton here in D.C. every year. Uh, big gala. Usually five, six, seven hundred people show up. And um, the first year, <clears throat> I was able to secure uh, Cheryl Atkinson as the host. We all know Cheryl. Uh, she does a great job on the show Full Measure on a lot of the Sinclair broadcast stations around the country on TV. Cheryl was an excellent host. I got uh, former National Security Advisor KT McFarlane to um, present the uh, Military Photographer of the Year Award. So, you know, along the way, it's it's been kind of cool. I've done done that for three years. I don't know whether I'm doing it again next year, uh, simply because the the organization is taking a little bit of a, uh, shall we say, left turn <clears throat> on its board of directors, uh, and you know, sometimes it's time to say, okay, that looks great on the resume, but it's time to move on, if you know what I mean. No, absolutely. I absolutely do. No, for sure. And, you know, uh, you have, you've lived, you lived quite the life. It's been in a, uh, quite the incredible, uh, career for you. That's for damn sure. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yes. Hi. I, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for being on this show tonight. Uh, you know, the, the, the just listening to you is, 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 has been such an education and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, your long resume and, and, and that, and, uh, of course, we're all fans, so, you know, we'd love to have you on. Now, you, you said Dr. you're Branch, a true journalist. I have to say, Dr. Branch, it's an absolute honor uh, to be on with you guys, and uh, uh, much respect back to you as well, sir. Well, I, I, we appreciate that, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, some things that you said that, you know, I, it just got smiles on my face. Uh, true journalist. 
you know, in this day and age, you know, people are, I'm sure all of our listeners are saying, what, what is that? They're probably out Googling it now. What is a true journalist? Where well, is can, a I true journalist? I can tell yeah. you what it isn't. I can tell you what it isn't. It is not the William Hurt character in broadcast news who repeats virtually <laughs> everything they put into his ear. Uh, again, even when it makes people uncomfortable, you have got to report the truth. That's what this form, this brand of democracy is all about when it comes to the, uh, to the First Amendment. Well, and that's, that's true. So where does a true journalist today get their news from? I'm sure we'd all want to know, where do you get your news from? You go to the source. If you're developing a story, you go Very to the good. source. But if you're, if you're looking for uh, what news outlets I listen to, well, I can tolerate a lot of what's on the, on, uh, the Fox network. I happen to love the, the folks on The Five. And, yeah, I kind of like Juan Williams just because he's a balance of uh, the other idiocies. That that you would you would get. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Donna Brazil. I'm not a big fan of of most of the other so-called uh, left commentators that are on Fox. But I enjoy the Five. Uh, when it comes to solid news, two people, Brett Baer and Shannon Bream, are top of the list as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, I agree with you on two, that. I 100. percent yeah, Shannon, Absolutely. Uh, now, came a, yeah, Shannon how, came from a local you, station here and, and does a tremendous job, really does her homework. And Brett, I mean, you, you just can't beat Brett Baer. Uh, honest to goodness, he's got it uh, right probably 95% of the time, which beats the pants off of virtually everybody else. And like you said, he goes to the source and he gets the news and he reports the yeah. truth. And the facts. That's that's what's really important. He reports the facts. That's that's what's good. How how do you feel that this? You know, we we now have Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, communicating with us on Twitter with with no spin, with no yeah. uh, you know agency behind him. How has that revolutionized how now America politics will forever be changed? In your opinion. In my opinion, President Trump plays Twitter like a Stradivarius. I have never seen anyone master the art of social media, of digging in when he has to dig in, of bypassing the filters, and of stirring it up when you have to stir it up, getting people back on message. The guy plays Twitter as I said before, like a Stradivarius, like a like a it, virtuoso. I love it. it. Is un- it's one of it my is, favorite parts of the day to see what he has stirred up. It is unbelievable. I was just thinking about that the other day, about his impact on Twitter. And people don't talk about this enough, that ever since he's become president and, and his, you know, he goes to Twitter every day uh, and, you know, updates us, updates the country – so many people have made accounts because they want to follow the president. People that would have never, ever in their life got on Twitter, but millions have because they want to see what the president is constantly saying. He is by far let me, let me the, wealth, the, the biggest let, asset. Let me you, you go ahead. 
Let me, let me point something out real quick, Rory. If you think about this logically, one of the president's most trusted confidants is in a position that did not exist five, six, seven years ago. Dan Scavino Jr., who is the president's social media director for all you know, intents and purposes, for lack of a right. better title. Dan Scavino right. has the president's ear. He helps to mold the message. And between Dan and Kellyanne Conway, who years ago I had on, on uh, shows in the early 2000s when she was strictly a pollster and a damn good pollster, between Kellyanne and Dan Scavino, they mold that message for Mr. Trump like uh, like nothing I've ever seen before. Like like people right. sculpting from marble, it is so absolute perfect in its messaging yeah. and in its ability to stir up the other side so that they go into absolute convulsions and fits over the simplest uh, direct message. I mean, yeah. look, okay, let's talk about this today where yeah. you're seeing some people we, say in yeah. certain areas of the press that there is a recession. There is not a recession. That he's looking at personal tax cuts to stave off a recession. No, you know what he's doing? He's trying to further the success of an already successful um, environment financially, that the, yeah. the country's already at a very successful level. Dropping the personal income tax level even more will help, uh, I would say, a good majority of investors who look at small businesses, and yet looking at corporate and investor tax credits will help more business investment. You can't stop winning with this guy. And right. it, it just drives the left absolutely bonkers to the point where yeah. they're now manufacturing the talking point yeah. that there's a recession coming. It ain't happening. Larry Kudlow yeah. says it ain't happening. All of the president's advisors say it ain't happening. All he's doing is jump-starting what is already a successful economy. And, yeah, I'll give him credit. It, it damn well just might be the best in the world right now. It is. I mean, we've never seen anything like it. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Hey, it is absolutely great to, to speak with you and someone as experienced as yourself, but seen a lot and uh, have interviewed a lot of people and, and know what's been going on. Uh, I'd love to hear your uh, opinion about the, our, federal, our federal system and essentially how uh, not a whole lot gets done in Washington, D.C. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you if there's any you know, chance that we could change things around um, or if there's any way to kind of break the status quo when it comes to the federal level. Two, but I find two that words. change happens locally. And, Kevin, and two words. And you so much in the state level, the city level, et cetera. But uh, I, don't, I don't see a whole lot going on federally, and I think uh, you know, Trump's really the only one that's you know, done a whole lot. Kevin, two words will fix it. It's very simple, and even Ted Cruz agree with, agrees with me. Even Joe Manchin agrees with me. Term limits. Citizen politicians were never meant to spend their entire work life here in D.C. They were meant to come in, 
work on the business of the people, which is what, what the hell they're here for, work on the business of the people for one, maybe two terms, and then go back home and pick up where they left off. Term limits, term limits, term limits. I cannot stress enough. Term limits end. If you're like me, if you're like me and you listen to who I think is probably one of the greatest radio talk show hosts of all time, Mark Levin, you've got to support your state ratifying their participation in the Article 5 Convention of the States. Those two ways right there, congressional term limits and a convention of the states under Article 5, have got to be the next logical steps for the overhaul of the U.S. government. Because whether or not we're using the phrase do-nothing Congress, I happen to know because I work in the House of Representatives TV studio as a floor director and cameraman that when Congress is in session, on the Monday of every week, no votes are called until, no votes are called until 6.30 in the evening. They then work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they go back to their uh, home districts. On an odd week, they'll work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then go back. But on that Friday, no votes are called after 12 noon. Now, granted, I know that part of that was due in part to historically it taking a lot longer to get back to your home districts before we had the preponderance of, of airfare and Amtrak and all the other ways to get back to where you, you uh, the areas that you represent. Time for that to change. If Congress is in session, they should be in session for solid blocks of three to four weeks at a time five days a week. There are now so many, because I'm part of it, so many ways to communicate with your home districts that don't require you going back and being there. You should have staffers in your home districts picking up the slack on that on that um, transference of, of information from your home district uh, of what is important to your constituency back to you in D.C., but while you're in right. D.C., do the business of the people. So term limits, convention of the states, Article 5, and rearranging the congressional schedule to be more reflective of the modern uh, era that we're in. You know that the reason they're off for August, a lot of people don't know this. Washington, and you know this because there's an area of the city called Foggy Bottom, Washington yep. is built on swampland, and in the old days, starting with the Lincoln administration, I believe actually a little bit before that, if you served in the Foreign Service or on Capitol Hill, you actually got hazard pay during the summer months because it was so hot here, so desperately hot, well before air conditioning, that it was hazardous to your health to actually work in this area because of the mosquitoes and malaria and all the other stuff that you could contract, much less the discomfort, you know? <clears throat> so that is why Congress takes August off. Now, you can't tell me because I know. I go into the, the Rayburn office building. It's yep. fully air-conditioned. 
there's a barber shop in there. There's a Subway sandwich shop in there. If you take the tunnel from the Rayburn office building over to the Longworth, you've got a Dunkin' Donuts there. You've got, you've got restaurants there that are serving hot and cold meals virtually you know, during all business hours. There, there are no creature discomforts. You've got a tunnel that has a private train that goes from the uh, congressional office buildings into the U.S. Capitol. It's time to uh, time to modernize the idea that Congress is a is deserving of part time hours for full time pay. Franklin, go ahead. No, Franklin. I can't. I can't uh, hear him. Is it? in New York. Go ahead. Is this a time? Mr. Ray, how are you? Mr. Ray, is this, this is Mike in New York. I'm oh, the one that sent you the uh, friend request. All right. Glad it, to be here. And How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing fine, and I sent you a couple of things that you might find of interest, but also, as I sent that, that message, I'd agree, I'd agree with you about the 100% about uh, the term limits, but I'd also add staffers to that, because some of these staff, the majority of the staffers, just continue working behind the curtains, and we never see them. And they bring their poison from politician to politician and their agenda, and these are the ones who are behind the scenes that are controlling a lot of the games from what I've seen. I don't know if you see them that much while you're down there. Well, Have you? Actually, that's, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. I would say certain senior staffers, yes. You've got about, got about but 30 I seconds. I've got to get a commercial. Let, 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 let me finish. What I see is that the junior staffers, the people who are only there for a year or two at a time to build their resumes, are worked like dogs. I mean, literally 12, 14 hours a day. When you come out with right. a 30,000 page bill where you have to vote on it before you find out what's in it, <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi, um, right. that uh, it takes those folks to break those down. Uh, by example, the Mueller report. That had to be broken down into individual staffers to go through it, to comb through it the night before. I mean, they, they really are doing the grunt work for very little pay. There are, uh, notably, along Pennsylvania Avenue and up on Capitol Hill, townhouses where there are five, six, seven, eight junior staffers splitting the rent for those uh, townhouses just to be able to afford to work there. You can't tell me that's a that's a uh, a, a power position <laughs> when you're cutting coupons and taking advantage of every single congressional discount you can find just to feed your face at night. You know what I mean? So we got to go. Yeah. We got to go to commercial. Um, we, and we only have a few minutes left in the show. So can you please tell everybody where they can connect with you and find your, your work and all that good stuff? You've got it. First thing you do, go to Twitter, go to A-M-A-N-D-F-M. It spells out A-M and F-M. And by the way, if you're already following Rory, you'll find me tagged in his uh, post about tonight's show, A-M and F-M. And on Facebook, just Steve Ray, R-A-Y, you'll see a picture of me. And uh, uh, I don't know what else you'll find a picture of up there. But, you'll oh, in my, in my personal profile pictures, you'll find pictures of me with Vice President Pence, with Joe Biden, with uh, that idiot Jimmy Kimmel, you know, you'll find me. And, and you'll find a lovely picture of me doing interviews about being the presidential inauguration announcer. 
Sounds good, my friend. Well, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Keep up the solid work. All righty. Thank you. We'll be right back, everybody. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Also remember... Next month, we will be releasing 
the 24-7 media network, many notable names doing their own shows. And we will be having my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, as the main faces of the network. Uh, lots of big stuff planned. Oh, God, guys, I, I apologize. There's been so many people on the phone lines tonight, and it's just been so chaotic. I just haven't had a chance to even get to nearly half of them. Um, and, you know, I hate when this happens because it makes me feel guilty because I, I always feel bad when I don't get to everybody. And it's not – I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just when I'm on a clock and the time's running down, I there's not much I can do. Um, you know, it's one of those things – I. I will go to um, Mark in Ohio. I, we haven't heard from you tonight. I'll let you uh, say a few words. Obviously, you probably have some thoughts. I apologize, my friend. Uh, it's no problem, Rory. I know how it gets when you're on a time time frame. Uh, I will say that um, going out of here that the uh, uh, Rashid and uh, Omar uh, anti-Semitic uh, seems going to stick around in the news for a little bit. You know, I can't believe that that people aren't more outraged about that, and they're, you know, standing behind those two, or at least, uh, right. you know, the dem the Dems are. You know, they've been they've been spouting this anti-Semitic bigotry and hatred for a long time. And and for the the press and the media to to stand behind them over this and make such a big deal out of out of them being you know barred from from Israel it is just ridiculous. One thing is it's a sign that borders that that a border wall works. Um, but I think in the end this is going to blow over and it's going to look bad for them. You know that's all we can hope for. No, I hear you. Show no, you're, you're absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. It's a great show tonight. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. Um, let's go to Franklin. Go ahead. You probably have some thoughts. Go ahead, Franklin. Well, I just uh, it was a great uh, be able to listen to Steve talk. Uh, one of the things that I don't uh, talk about a lot in my home district, where it's uh, Yankee country, is that I'm a uh, a diehard Baltimore Orioles fan, and so I've I've heard Steve. Uh, Several times uh, as I've watched games and, and make announcements, a big Oriole fan. Also, uh, anybody who's been able to interview Sir uh, Paul McCartney is, is, is really great. So uh, I really enjoyed listening to him. I think, again, it was a great show. Uh, appreciate, once again, the opportunity to be on and, and speak with your listeners. And to you, Rory, again, congratulations on the new network. And uh, all your listeners can, uh, if they want more information about my campaign, find me at saviorforamerica.org. Thanks a lot for having me again. Absolutely, and uh, Franklin, I wanna I wanna get you on either probably early next week and give you more time. We didn't get enough time with you tonight, and I apologize for that. But I want to get you back early next week. Sure, anytime. All righty, thank you, my friend. Uh, Doctor Branch, uh, please tell everybody where they can connect with you. Rory, great show tonight, and uh, I am Doctor Bob Branch. You find me at drbobbranch.com. That's drbobbranch.com. Look forward to being on our show next week, Rory. Take care. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Oh, yes. You can find me at Nationalist United on social media or nationalistunited.com. Had a great show tonight. Can't wait for Thursdays.
Absolutely, my friend. We'll see you Thursday. Um, Mark, Mark, tell everybody where they can connect with you. You can reach me at One Mad Rabbit on Twitter. All right, he sounds good, my friend. Um, and then Mike Peters, I, I'm sorry I didn't get to you much tonight, but you have any thoughts? Uh, please go oh, ahead. No, and, I just uh, I, I just want to thank you for having me on, and also say hi to Dr. Branch and great hearing him, and and again a wonderful show, and, and it was an honor to be here. Really nice to be here tonight. Thank you. All right. Well, we we always appreciate having you on, and uh, definitely I'll get you I'll get you more airtime on Thursday. I'll get you more. Uh, just too many people on the line tonight. It was hard to get to everybody, and I apologize. Oh yeah. So, no problem. But but God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. It's been a fantastic show tonight, everybody. I just want to cover a few headlines. Obviously, like I like I like I usually would. Um, President Trump, thankfully, went back um, on the whole red flag thing, red flag laws. He's not going to pursue it. Um, he had a long conversation with the NRA um, owner. Um, it was either today or yesterday. And President Trump is pushing back because he understands his supporters do not want him messing with the Second Amendment. And he respects that. And he... You know, he understands where we're coming from, and God bless Trump, you know, for standing, you know, tough ground on this. Um, polls came out today. President Trump is leading all of his 2020 opponents, so that's a really good sign. Uh, President Trump announced that the U.S. likely will wait until after the Israeli elections for the new peace plan. Um, big news out. Uh, the White House is considering a payroll tax cut <laughs> to further boost the economy. We already know the economy is fantastic, but what this will do is just keep it on a huge roll and make it even bigger and more powerful. It's the right thing to do. Uh, stuff's getting dirty with um, people, the rhinos. I'll tell you, Paul Ryan is moving back to Washington, D.C., and is getting involved with trying to take down Trump. So we have a lot uh, of dirty stuff going on with that situation. Um, crazy news out today. The El Paso shooter was uh, placed on suicide watch. You know, let, let's not have another situation like Epstein. You know, we, we can't afford or, you know, it, and it's, it's such a slap in the face to the victim, you know, allowing this, this coward to commit suicide. And then, who, you know, like I said, though, I, I don't even, you know, don't want to get off topic, but I don't even think Jeffrey Epstein is necessarily dead. But I'm just saying, you know, with, with this, you know, with, that's what they're making it out to be. But obviously we don't want the same thing with the El Paso shooter. You know, the victims deserve their, their day in court, and they deserve to get justice. So I don't know what it is with these jails that we have right now and their lack of monitoring and their lack of professionalism, but the crap needs to stop. You know, we, we, all, we, we saw Barr take action and get rid of the guy that was overseeing the uh, jail where Epstein was. And, you know, obviously there's action being taken, but we can't, we can't afford any, you know, any games or, or any BS. You know, all it takes is one minute or one second of something going wrong and changes everything. Think about it. Uh, the update on China, uh, it's looking good. It's looking good for us. 
Um, I think we have, I think we're obviously at this point, we are in the, uh, we're at the top. You know, we're leading because they need us more than we need them. Those are just facts. You know, China can't sustain that that uh, group of that, that they can't sustain a powerful economy or what they're trying to achieve without the U.S. They need us more than we need them. Let's face it: Trump is in negotiations. Trump is putting more, you know, stuff on that is affecting them. They have the, China has the worst economy right now that they've had in several years, uh, and it's it's only going to get worse. You know, I think China might be hoping that a Democrat wins in 2020. So they can keep taking advantage of the U.S., but that's not that's not how it's going to work, you know. I would hope, um, and I think they will, because I don't think Trump will allow them to play games, um, you know, with prolonging a deal until the election results. But you know, there's, there's something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. They are they are suffering. I'll tell you what, guys. Something really needs to be figured out about big tech. You know, we are living in a weird, weird, scary time. Like I talked about earlier in the show, they are taking over entities. They are taking over our society. They are influencing however they want to influence. They're brainwashing at every turn. It's sick stuff. Scary times, everybody. Scary, scary times. And Trump, take action. Trump, you, you have to on this. This is one of the most important things we're battling right now, big tech. They've got more power and influence than just about anyone. So do something, please. You know, and it's they're taking all our information. They're using it to their advantage. So many different things, bad things going on with, with our government. And quite frankly, a lot of these tech companies are heavily involved with the government, and they're on the inside. They're involved with the deep state and everything, all this dirty stuff. So let, we'll keep an eye out, and we will talk more, obviously, about this as stuff progresses. Great show tonight. I want to thank my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. You're all incredible. Uh, we have a huge show planned for you on Thursday. I will miss you all till then. Uh, I hope you all have a good rest of the night. And uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.